everybody, welcome to episode 23 where I'm interviewing Lewis Porter Jr. Uh, Lewis and I, we discussed talking about marketing, real estate, um, advertising, website building, you name it. Uh, this episode was really helpful for me because even though I am trying to build my real estate portfolio, I've also been going through trying to build a brand and a website. And I think this would be very helpful for those of you that are trying to build a website, build a brand, and help with marketing. It doesn't just have to be about real estate. It could be about anything. He gives very great tips uh, and resources that you can use uh, that are helpful no matter what your niche or whatever your platform is. So please listen in. I think you'll get tons of information from this guy. Please visit our site at www.richstateofmind.com where we provide content on real estate, personal finances, and self-development. Share your story and information by posting a blog on our site so that the Rich State of Mind community continues to grow in knowledge. You can also follow our Instagram page at rich underscore state brand to find out about exclusive offers and discount promotions for our apparel. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And thank you for listening. All right. Good. Uh, good evening, Lewis. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time this evening to uh, talk about a bunch of things, talk about graphic design, talk about marketing, talk about real estate. And I think these uh, these topics is going to help people. As you can see, a lot of people try to build their brand now. You know, it's all about your brand and your personality. So I think this episode will be very educational for a lot of people. So if you could, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do sure. for a living? Sure. I'll give you my, my formal one. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Lewis Porter, Jr., I've been a graphic designer and a web designer for basically 30 years. Uh, I got into graphic design kind of by accident and I, I fell into it and I loved it. Uh, out of that, I developed my own little small publishing business designing games. Uh, as I said, it just kept me off the streets, spending my money on stupid things. And so I built a little business out of that and kind of out of that spun my real estate desires and dreams. And, you know, years later, here I am uh, working my tail off to I can say be semi-retired doing real estate, but still work a full-time job. Gotcha. Okay. And so um, just a little bit about, you know, real estate, what got you into real estate? Um, oh, honestly, I've, I've always wanted to be, I've always wanted to have a big business. So my dream is to build a business bigger than Disney. And oh. if you're going to do that, real estate has to be part of it. And so I kept saying like, and I, and I want to have a little, a lot of little small businesses. So I'm like, okay, if I buy real estate and I buy like an apartment building on the bottom floor, I can put little small businesses and on the top floor, I can have renter and I can have a ton of money and I can be set. And it was just that kind of simple thing. And that was always my small dream. And then I always say back in 2004, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. You can do this. This is amazing. And the funny part was I then read Cashflow Quadrant, but I put the real estate stuff to the side. And just really grasp on the business stuff with my small little yes. business I was running. 
So like the first year we did my business, we were making like a hundred bucks a month. Then the second year we went to 400 bucks a month. And then the, the third year we got to $1,600 a month. And I was like, oh, this stuff works. And bigger, I mean, I'm sorry, and the rich dad poor dad. So I was like, this is crazy. So I kept making money doing that and really enjoying it. And I kept having like the aspiration to do the real estate in the background, but I never really put you to the forefront actually until my uh, wife passed away um, from cancer uh, in about 2014. Um, oh, my condolences. I, oh, that, that's right. I, I tell people I got lucky. I married the right woman for all the right reasons. I couldn't have asked for a better wife. And she was amazing. And I got to tell people we were on the wrong side of cancer. I mean, it, it was brain cancer. And we didn't know at the time, but when they diagnosed this, they all knew that she w- it wasn't going to be a positive outcome. And they did the best to comfort her the entire time. And like I said, I've married the right woman. So I'm very, very happy of everything that happened. And I wouldn't change a thing. And we got our life insurance money from her. And I kept saying like, well, what are we going to do with this money? I could buy something really quick and it wouldn't make any sense. And we just use it and lose it. And I said, well, what can we do? And I was like, you know what? Let me get into real estate. I've always wanted to get into real estate. Let me try it. And I was really still nervous because I didn't want to blow the money on something stupid. So I said, okay, let me look on the internet to find some information I can gather for it. And then of course I follow, I follow on bigger pockets and I start watching all their videos and reading all their stuff. And I'm like, wow. And then about a year into it, I said, okay, I'm going to try to buy my first place. And the first place I bought, um, <laughs> which I still have, was not the best choice. Uh, it was, <laughs> you know, but I'm glad I bought it. Without buying that property, I wouldn't have bought my other one. So it, yes. it, it taught me the most important lesson. It, well, it taught me two lessons. Be careful what you buy. And number two, pay attention to your property managers. And, yes. <laughs> you know, once you learn those two, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier, but I wouldn't have done it without the first one. Awesome. And uh, so since we're talking a little bit about your uh, real estate, uh, what did you, what have you acquired so far? Uh, right now I have, um, well, I'm, ha- I'm house hacking my actual, my house I live in. Uh, I have four investment properties. Uh, two of them, yeah, two of them are two ones and two of them are three ones. I primarily buy, uh, now I currently buy in Tallahassee, Florida. I'm down in South Florida, right outside of Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay. And, um, Tallahassee, um, big college town, FSU is there, uh, Florida A&M is there, uh, Tallahassee Community College. So it's roughly about 60,000 students are there. Yes. So they need rentals everywhere. So, and it's compared to South Florida, it's relatively cheap. Like you can pick up the, the well, the second last house I picked up was a 3 2, 912 square feet for $70,000. And it's cash flowing at eight seventy five a month, so you know it's it's nice. There's lots of inexpensive properties. There's lots of two ones and three ones you can pick up. Old property that are in good shape, so you can do pretty well. So that's been any crazy point. stories about uh, any college kids? I know that's some people's concern is buying <laughs> properties near college colleges and the kids tearing it up. Well, it's funny. I've I've heard that from a lot of people, but I've gotten kind of lucky. I kind of I kind of structure my houses in a very unusual way. Um, being a single dad, I always think about single parents because I know a lot of single mothers who have two children and they need a house. So I always kind of present the house in like my, my, my place in two ways. The first way it's like, oh, it's a, it's a lovely place for a single, single parent with one or two children. And, pe- and usually people are like, oh, okay. And the price is reasonable. And it's three bedrooms, one bath. That's okay. It's a nice starter home. So I'll get you I'll get to the next level. You get to a real bigger house and you can be happy with you know four bedroom, two bath. But this is a nice little starter home. But the other way I flip it is I tell people, oh, this is a great house. If you're a single person, if you're a single couple, it's 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 two bedrooms and an office. Okay. 
And it's like, and the people are like, ooh, an office. And they don't think it was a third bedroom. It's like, no, it's your private office. If you're a graphic designer, or if you're, well, now I didn't realize we'd be doing COVID here seven months later. If you're trapped at home, it's great. And so people have kind of like used that. And I, and it's worked for me. And I've told people about using it. And they've used it themselves. And it seems to be, I, I would say it's a nice trick. You know, it's, you know, it's not, it's not a two, it's not a three bedroom. It's a two bedroom with an office. <laughs> I like that. I like that twist. <laughs> and I, I guess, especially with these circumstances, that's more attractive than it was probably a year ago. Yeah. So they were like, oh, I want the bedrooms. I don't want to, you know, I don't need the office. I mean, if I got one, I got one, but right. definitely now. So what made you say, what happened with your first investment while you said it wasn't the best deal? Well, the first investment I bought, um, <laughs> it is in, it's a Riviera Beach, uh, Florida, which uh, Riviera Beach is a little bit of a rough area. Now, when I say rough area, I always tell people, I spent my formative years in Baltimore, Maryland during like the 80s and 90s. Mm. So the joke is, have you seen The Wire? They're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's all true. That's actually how it was in Baltimore at one point. So it's it's a rough, it's kind of rough, but you know, no big deal for me. I'm like, hey, I've seen it. No big deal. River Beach is like a step down from that. Okay. And I didn't know that going into it. <laughs> so I found a lovely house on like a sea neighborhood. And it looked like you could see there were, there was, there was some gentrification starting. And I was like, oh, okay. okay, this might be, I can get on the bottom floor. So I found this house. Uh, the original price of the house uh, was 125000 And I said, well, I'm going to put an offer in for one ten. And I'm like, they probably will want me to go. They took the offer at one they They're like, yes. And I was like, ah, I gave them too much. <laughs> I should have been this in your pockets. They're like, always go low. And I was like, no, I can't. I got to. Yeah. So I learned that, you know, you learn the stuff as you do it. So that was pretty, I was like, okay, but it was all done. They revamped everything. It was a nice two one. I had my first official property. I was like, I'm so proud. I finally did it. Then two weeks after we, after they, we bought it, the septic tank that they connected the, sec, the septic line to the, to the city. We had to remove mm-hmm. the septic tank. They didn't tell us that. Um, that was about five grand I needed for that. Uh, then there were some other issues that popped up. Oh, we need you to build a driveway since there's no driveway. I'm like, well, why don't you, well, the city wants you to build a driveway and that's going to cost you about $3,000. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all this stuff just hit me like right off the bat. And my property management was not the best. And I stayed with them too long. And I know I did. And I kind of was, and I would say it was kind of punishing myself for making such a bad <laughs> deal. And I keep saying, oh, I'm going to sell this place and just get out of there. I'm like, no, no, keep the place long-term. It's going to hurt now, but later on, it's going to, it's going to help out in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I've had a property uh, two years now, almost, almost actually, yeah, just a little over two years. And it's better, but it's still, it's, you know, it's, it's my, it's my one that always, there's something that's going on. There's always something going on. There's always an issue with this thing. And it's not like it's a money pit, but it's more of just an aggravation in comparison to my Tallahassee properties. You know, they send me a check on the 12th every month. I'm like, well, all right, great. They talk to me like, oh, there's a problem. I go, well, can we do this? Sure, here's here's everything. And they go above and beyond what I think any property manager should do. So I've always been kind of impressed about the quality of the work they do. So that's kind of nice. It's just, you can tell the difference. You can really tell the difference in quality. So yeah, but, well, unfortunately um, I can I can relate because um, <laughs> I even talked about it in uh, I think it was episode four, like the top 10 things I learned in my first year as a landlord. So we've acquired five units within a year. And that's one thing I learned is you have to manage your property manager. Um, mm-hmm. you, you may get blessed and you may have somebody that is really great and above and beyond. But so far, 
you know, I've noticed I've have to, I have to stay on them. I have my calendar and my tracker and things I'm tracking and eight times out of 10, I'm keeping them on their toes versus them hitting me up like, Hey, you know, I already took care of it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's, I, that's nice when they do that. I mean, I appreciate when they do, but I expect them to be what they are. They're, they're there to make my money. They're supposed to collect on the stuff. And, you know, I don't, I hope they're always in my best interest, but it always happens. And sometimes you've got to reach out to them and be like, Hey, let's think of some ways to make, you know, make this better for both of us. Yes. You know, I think yeah. if, it, once, if you get them involved, you get them to care about you personally and what you're doing, I think that's a better way to connect them to help you what you're doing. Do you think it's because of the area? They kind of care less? You said no, I, kind I, of... I, I just think people, you know, I mean, this sounds bad, but it's true. If you can get away with sliding, like, ah, I'm only going to do half the work, you're going to slide. I mean, he's all the way down there. I'm all the way up here. But I mean, if you treat them pretty nicely, treat them pretty fairly, you do, and you, and, and you I would say, respectively ask a question. You know, and, they, and so they know what to expect and you know what to expect. Yeah. And once you reach that nice little level, you should be okay. But it's not always that way. I mean, my, my first property manager, I'll never forget the, I would say the scam he ran on me was repairs. I was like, I said, okay, anytime you do a repair, I want to get three quotes. He's like, well, we have an in-house service that does that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I got tons of stories for that one, but go ahead. Right. And, you know, and I was just like, well, I still need to quote before stuff. Because, well, don't worry, we'll just charge it. I'm like, no, I really want to quote all this stuff. If, don't worry, we'll take care of it. We'll trust me. There was always a problem. And then me and the actual guy who did the repairs, I was not a big fan of the work he did. And I mean, this property was an hour away from me, so I could go up and see the work. But I mean, it was always just something with him. He just, he didn't give me the confidence that he knew what he was doing. Yep. And he, and they and they always backed his play over mine. And I'm like, look, I'm paying for this. He's not. And if you can't give me a quote on something, then we have a problem. And that became a real big problem. And then when I finally just got rid of him, I was just like, you know what? This is the problem. I'll never use you again. I'm not going to badmouth you. I just know I won't, I won't mess with you anymore. You're, you're not going to be good for me. Good luck in your future. Goodbye. And, and, I, and that's kind of how you have to like portray it. It's, you know, it, it is, it was my fault. I should, I should have taken it more serious. I actually but, got fired from my property manager. He fired me. Oh, uh, because we were, because we were calling him out on a lot of his stuff. And that was one of those things is he sent his guy out there. And uh, his guy would charge $1,200 for a job that was really caught because $500, $600. And so, you know, one thing that I, I try to promote is like for landlords, you don't have to be the, you know, the subject matter expert, expert on something, but at least have an idea of what something is supposed to cost and how to do it. Because, you know, they'll just tell you anything. I right. tell them about the resurfacing the cabinets and he told me I need to demolish them all. I'm like, no. And we got somebody else and he actually resurfaced the cabinets. Yeah, I think it's it's always best if you can have, I mean, like for my place in, uh, my place is actually in Tallahassee, there's an agent I work with up there. Now, my agent was the guy who got my property manager. And my appraisal guys, everybody's gone through this agent and everybody seems to work well together. That's just great. It's like, if I have to check on one, I can have one check on the other one. And it's like, there's never a real problem. It's usually very, very like perfectly what they say it's going to be, which I like a lot. You know, they tell me, oh, the thing's going to take four days. It takes four days. Maybe there's a day for something. But it's never like six weeks, mm -hmm. you know. I think I think if you're just honest with them and they're honest with you, you can you can build a good relationship. But it's like, if I'm giving you money every month, let's work together. Let's you know, I might have some more money for you you don't even know about. You know, some yeah. other stuff I might want to turn to. So I just think if you find a good property manager, you just gotta keep them, <laughs> gotta keep them close. Yes, yeah, I would. What uh, what made you want to house hack? What was your mindset when you decided to house hack? And, wh and what type of what type of property are you are you house hacking currently? Um, my my, my house I had initially uh, with my wife. It's a four two, 
and it just it was just myself and my son at one point and it just became just too big for us they're just like this is silly it's just he's 10 i'm 50 and we've got two other bedrooms so i just said you know what let me see if i can rent these other two bedrooms out and we can at least get my mortgage down and funny enough uh what we charged basically covered the mortgage on the first investment so i was like okay great like the house hack can be the first investment and whatever comes to the first investment is money which actually helped me out more than i can imagine because if we didn't have that, I, I would have been under. I've been totally under because of all the issues that came in the first place. So we've been able to use that to pay for that. And, it's, and now the first place is now making money finally. Um, and then from there, it was just like, okay, we got the first investment. Uh, let's go for the second investment. And the second investment was kind of, I had a bunch of cash. I can't remember how I even got all this cash for some weird reason. I had all this money and I bought the place with cash. I then refinanced out that's right. I got a HELOC. That's why. I got my HELOC. I, I, I was like, why? You know, I got like, all this cash. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how. Yeah. No, I was like, okay. That's right. HELOC. <laughs> so I got myself a HELOC, bought the property, cash refined it out, got all my money back out. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. How do people, you know, I was like, this is amazing. And then I bought my next place, put the money down. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to try to cash refine out. I'm just going to keep it steady. And then I bought another place my uh number four and that was seller financed okay and, you know i now that i've found seller financing all my i'm trying to do every deal seller financing i don't want to go to any banks i don't want to get a loan let's let's find a way let's find a way that we can talk and we can meet in the middle about how we can do a good deal that works for both of us yeah i like that and so for those that don't know a heloc is a home equity line of credit so that's pretty much when you take the equity out of your home most people use that and they end up buying like another car with it uh, yeah. Real estate investors, what we do is we take the equity and we buy another property with it. So then you, so on and so forth. You, that's how people are able to amass properties so quickly because they're just taking equity out of homes that they own and then buying more. Uh, seller financing. Usually it's a house that is already owned out in full by somebody and they pretty much they are the bank They you mortgage through them and pay them monthly and they make an interest. Those are for people that definitely just don't want to deal with the property anymore. They just want to check. It's pretty it's pretty simple. Right. And then they cat it is very it's very simple for them. I'll probably do that once I decide to retire. And oh, um oh it's 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 brilliant, you know, especially on, on the buying side too. It's like we got yeah, very, I, yeah, even on the buying side, yeah. I love yeah, it. We, it's way simpler. Yeah, we found a property. I mean the property just found was was fifty thousand dollars. She wanted ten thousand dollars down. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I could do that. I'm she's like, Well, how much you want to how much you do payments? And I was like, How about four hundred dollars a month? I just pulled it out of the air. I didn't even know. I was like, she's like, Okay, great. I knew the lady in there was renting at six fifty. It was it's still very underrated for the for the area. I'm gonna pay him for two years and have a balloon payment at the end. But we oh, all know okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna cash refi in a yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm gonna be good and she'll be good. And now I have a house with the person in there. And that person's probably gonna be leaving soon. And we're gonna raise the rents up to, you know, because now she's paying six fifty. I think the rent really will be about eight fifty, eight seventy five by the time we get her out. So I mean, that's a great deal. And so, so I know that's for some people that's a risk, but, um, but if you, obviously if you have good credit and you're obviously bankable because you're getting income from these other tenants, doing a cash out refi is going to be very easy. And so uh, for a lot of investors, what, what we do is, uh, especially with these balloon payments, where pretty much we make payments for maybe a year or two and then, or sometimes up to five years, and then we pay the rest of the balance. So that may be intimidating to people, but what they end up doing is just a cash out refinance where they refinance the house and they cash out the difference between what's left on the house uh, in comparison with the house is worth. 
And then that's how they pay off up to like 80%. Most banks do up to like 80%. Yeah. I think nowadays they're doing like 75 because of COVID. Yeah. It's getting a little tough. So unless you got a lot of equity, I mean, I would sit tight. A lot of people right now just doing like the uh, refinances that just change the interest rate and then right. probably sit tight. Well, you can always do the, what I would say, go talk to a credit union. Credit unions always go above and beyond, especially for refinancing. And, you know, having worked for a credit union and, you know, now you know, as an investor, I didn't realize how influential they can be, especially on the, on the loan side. You know, it's, it's, it's as getting the property initially through them is always tough because they don't, a lot of them don't like to do investment property, but refinancing, then they don't care. Then they're like, oh, nope, we have no problem refinancing it then, which I thought was kind of weird, but it is what it is. I'll look into that. Um, and so overall, what's your overall goal when it comes to real estate? Where you want to, you still shooting to be oh, Disney yeah. World? Yes. Yes. Um, because it, I break it down in a little second. So this is step one is acquire. Um, oh, so where's my, my book? I have a little book that of the things I'm supposed to do in the first five years of my real estate. Um, my plan, my five-year plan ends in 2023. So I'm supposed to be generating $10,000 a month in passive income. Uh, $5,000 a month in my game stuff, being able to quit my job, of course, have at least 50 rental properties, have $7.5 million in rental property um, value. This is the one that hurts me the most. In 2020, take a one-week vacation in the Caribbean. That was the plan. <laughs> I had it all planned out. We were going to go. Yeah, that did. Uh, 2022, do a three-week vacation throughout Canada. We're going to travel from um, East Coast to West Coast by train. Wow. So, and then for 2027, which is the big, if I pull out all off and the amazing thing, I want to take uh, my son to China for uh, six weeks. Well, I didn't say just say China, China, Japan, and Hong Kong. Nice. All right. So yeah, I like, I like that. Yeah. You definitely yeah. got it. You got your five year plan already. Yeah. And I, and I mean, as much as I like real estate now, I definitely, and, and long-term rentals, I want to start getting the short-term rentals. I think there's... Uh, I like the idea of Airbnb. And since I live in South Florida, I mean. Exactly. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah that's definitely perfect. So tell us a little bit about, uh, so we talked about the real estate side and pretty dope. I love how actually structured you are with it. It's actually kind of got me want to go back to my drawing board and with my plan as well. And so with, when it comes to you, graphic design, marketing, advertising, uh, tell, and publishing, tell us a little bit about that and how you got started in that. Uh, how I got, I kind of got started by accident. Um, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I'm a big comic book geek. I've been a comic book geek since I was 10 years old. So same, I've loved same. comic books. So um, funny enough, I grew up in Connecticut, about 70 miles outside the city. And I went for a little small uh, publishing company that did comic book price guide from back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I got involved in publishing that way after, right out of college. And I was like, oh, this is kind of great. I love this. And I'm like, well, you know, can, I, can I do this as a living? Can I make a living being a graphic designer? And I had a buddy who trained me and got me set. So I was like, all right, let me try. So I started doing that from them. I then left them, went to another small little nonprofit company, worked for them for about um, six or seven months, uh, then futzed around for a little bit, couldn't find anything really permanent. Then I moved to uh, Baltimore for a little bit uh, with my brother, who's already there for the second time. Did a lot of freelance work, got a lot of, just a lot of freelance gigs all over DC and Baltimore, and just learning more, which was great. And then I did... Uh, when, and I said the worst decision of my life, I moved to Indianapolis. Um, I'm not a big fan of Indianapolis. Uh, even though I was born in Chicago, I'm not a big fan of the Midwest. I'm an East Coast boy all the way. Uh, so I moved to Indianapolis and it was 
a great experience because I worked for um, one of the largest publishers of books in the U.S. Uh, if you ever see the, the Orange Complete Idiot's Guides, the company I worked for created those. Okay. Um, funny enough, all those books you see, all the little orange ones, one girl does all the work on that. One girl. Even now? Oh, I'm, when, it was, when I was there, she was doing it all by herself. She did like a book a day. And, a, and I mean, she laid out the entire book in a day. If you're really good at layout, even back then, 10, 12 pages an hour is pretty good. She was doing somewhere about like 40, 50 pages an hour. Wow. And that's like ridiculous. So she did that. So, you, so I learned to pick up speed doing the layout, doing very quickly, doing very efficiently. And from there, uh, I got a call while being in Indiana from a company down in South Florida who's like, hey, would you, and this is in mid-January, so the weather's like minus 20 below, it's freezing, it's horrible. And this woman calls me and goes, hey, would you like to come down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida and build websites for our company? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and with a week later, I was on the plane down in Fort Lauderdale. I was 29 years old. I'm like, I'm living the best life ever. I can't get any better than this. So I did that. I, I worked at that company for a little bit. Then I moved to a video game company where I was doing layout and web design for them for about two years. And then I got a full-time gig working for Burdines, which is a which was a Florida division of Federated Department Stores, which Macy's used to own. And while there, I was, I was in charge of special projects and I developed doing web design out of that. And when Macy's back in 2004 decided to go really big on the internet, they're like, okay, Lewis, you're going to be in charge of designing our website. And I'm like, I'm only one guy. They're like, that's all right. We know you can do it. So I'm building the website for Macy's that they use to run the original website. Yes. So I did that, got a bunch of awards and I'm like, whatever, just make sure my check is right. That's all I care about. Uh, <laughs> did that for a little bit. Um, uh, then I went freelance again for like two or three years during the whole big recession of, of yeah, I quit in 2006 and then didn't like work back full-time to 2009. I worked for the Seminole Tribe of Florida, uh, working for one of their nonprofits, uh, doing web design for them. Did that for three years, left them, worked for a credit union for five years doing their stuff. At the end of the five years, I went back to my old job with the Seminole Tribe um, and I've been with them ever since. What are some tips that you... Uh would like to provide people when it comes to building their website because now you have Wix, you have WordPress, oh, yeah, this, GoDaddy. Oh, so if you don't want to pay someone like me, I mean, I tell people, it's great you want to use me. I appreciate that. You don't want to you don't want to hire me. I'm way too expensive. There's tons of ways you can do free. I mean, WordPress is probably the most, the best usable website you can get. Anybody uses WordPress. It's very, very common. It's a great content management system, CMS as they call it. It's a great system, but it can be a little daunting. If anybody wants to start, I say, try Wix. Wix is a great little site. Everything is done for you. They've got tons of stuff. It's already pre-made. You can't really damage it too much. And most people do it like that. I think that's the best way possible. It'll save you a lot of money, saves you a lot of time. And honestly, it's, it's, it's easy. It's easy. If you hire somebody like me, it's a long process. It's a long, painful process. And realistically, I tell people, hiring somebody like me to develop a website from the ground up, you know, the first words I'm going to tell you is like, okay, Here's what's gonna, probably going to cost you. It's going to be a $10,000 down payment. And then I'm probably going to need another $20,000 from you. And they all make the face like, are you crazy? I'm like, yes, that's why you don't hire me. You go do Wix and stuff like that. You save a lot of money. That's what they're for. for. I'm the I'm a specialist. I build very, very intricate stuff. Anything that, anything that can be done that you need, you don't need me. So why do you cost so much? Because the old joke, 
I, I've learned in 30 years how to do stuff that would take normal people four hours. It takes me about four minutes. Okay. So it's like, you know, I, I've, God, I've built, laid out, done so many things in 30 years. And a lot of techniques that they teach kids now in school, like, the, like my favorite running joke is most kids who've done publishing have never actually been to the press to actually see the product on press. And when I was doing it early days, you had to go to the press. You had to go there. You had to go to the actual mechanicals. You had to know how to separate. You had to do like everything hand on yourself. And now so much stuff is done behind the scenes automatically. People don't understand the process that it takes to do that. So if there's a problem, they don't know how to fix it quickly. And problems pop up for all kinds of reasons. And it's, you know, it's usually, you know, obviously it's basic stuff, but they don't know because they don't know. And I think web design's kind of taken that same kind of toll. Initially, it was very, very specialized guys who were like IT specialists doing it. And then like the creative guys like me got into it in the second phase. And now like we've kind of been weaned out and now everything has been developed as a content management system because they know people don't want to pay us. And I get that. And so it's, it's, it's changed over time. And it's, I tell people, it's, there's so much, it, where, where, this little phone has more power than most laptops and you can do a lot more. I mean, if you're smart about it, you get three or four programs on here and they're free. Um, Adobe, what's the program I always use for, in, for Instagram? Come on, uh, Adobe Spark Post. You get Adobe Spark Post, you can start Instagram, Facebooking tomorrow taking your own pictures, getting your own phrases, and get it up and going. And, you know, I could do the same thing for you. I would be using the exact same thing, but I'm going to charge you a lot more. Because I'm saying, I'm going to tell you it's a special skill. It's not that special anymore. It was 15 years ago. Now, anybody can do it. And anybody does. Uh, the problem also happens is that you get, there's, a, there's also a lack of understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. Okay. Like how, why does this thing look this way? Why does this look this way? Why does this do this? So, you can always tell the difference in quality of design, I always say. You can tell a professional for an amateur really quick. Um, <laughs> back back when, say, when dinosaurs ruled the earth, back in the olden days, there was a thing we used to call, it, it was called illegal use of the third dimension. Basically, is that you'll see people put graphics up, they put a lot of drop shadows, or they do a lot of bevel to make it pop out. That's illegal use of the third dimension. You I know, know yeah, we, we, we joke about, I mean, you gotta be an old guy to say that, but it's like so many people use it because it's cool, it's exciting. It stops being cool when everybody uses it. So you got to know when to use it, when not to use it. You know, graphic design is built on three little premises. Size, shape, color. Okay. If you, if you focus on those, 90% of the problems will be solved. Size, shape, and color, does it look good in black and white? Does it look good in three color? Does it look good in four color? If you don't know, three color is video that you see on the screen like this. Four color is actual print. And the four colors the footprint are black, magenta, cyan, yellow, and how they work. And it's just, you know, that kind of stuff is just stuff, you know, I know from years and years and years of doing it. But it's 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 not like you can't learn it. Uh, there's a great book. Can I, is it in my, I know it's in my bookshelf. If I can see it, I can reach it. There's a great book I tell everybody, if you're serious about trying to be a better graphic designer or you want to learn something, it's called the Non-Designers Graphic Design Book. I think it's on its fifth or sixth edition. The writer's name is Robert Williams, not the former actor, but just this uh, graphic designer. That book is probably the best book you can pick up on design work. You read that book cover to cover, you can you can probably go get a, a job in design after reading that book and understanding it. It's that kind of good book. And it's not, the, I mean, the book's like this thin. It's not a thick book. It's pretty simple. It's very easy. I read it. I read it. 
I now read it like once a year just to just to reminisce back, but it's it's a great book. It's a great book for understanding what graphic design is, what design is, and how you can implement it. And so how do you mix the, the graphic design or the web design into the marketing and advertising piece? Um, I think when you really understand what marketing is, you know, my job as a marketer is to convince you that you like something before you even know it. But 90% of the time, you don't know what it is till you, till you get it. Like, okay, so great marketing. Comic book movies were always something stupid and comic books were always stupid that people didn't want to have anything involved. If that was stupid, it's silly. Who'd want to see a superhero movie? No one wants that. Ha 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 ha. And we all know the Avengers has made a billion dollars. Yes. Now that happened in 10 years. Now, before that, comic book movies were laughed at by Hollywood. Guys in Hollywood thought they knew better than the guys actually doing the comic books. They thought they knew better and they did these horrible, horrible movies. Marvel took the, the book, the books that no, we know what makes our stuff good. We know how to market them because we know what's important. What's the important part of the story? Why these characters are important, why they'll resonate with people, and how to affect people. And that's what they did. And that's really what marketing is, getting you to be affected by things that you don't think that you'd be affected by. It's subtle when done right, and it's very smooth. Um, Coca-Cola is a great is a great marketer. Coca-Cola has such an iconic connection to America. You can't think Coca-Cola and not think America. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Here's something even crazier. The way Santa Claus looks is because Coca-Cola designed it that way. And he's been adopted as that that's the visual of what Santa Claus looks with the rosy cheeks, the white beard. That that wasn't that was there was nothing like that before. Coca-Cola actually did that and made it as their marketing. I did not know that. Yeah. So yeah, because you see Santa Claus in the Coca-Cola commercials drinking a Coca-Cola right. and it ma- it matches his whole outfit, obviously. Right. You think, oh, it's so, no, that was all planned out. Um, Apple. Well, back when they're Apple and Mac is another prime one. Their, their ad of 1984 they did in 1984 was one of the greatest ads ever because it was no one had ever seen anything like it. And that's why Apple is such a, an amazing foundation for fans and stuff. They know how to market to them people and turn them not even just to fans, but to fanatics. You want people to become your fanatics. You want them to be your evangelists. They want you want them to be singing your praises when you're not there. Um, the guy who ran their marketing, uh, Guy Kawasaki, has a great book called Rules for Revolutionaries. It is an amazing book. It's if you're into marketing, you must read it. It is ruthless and it's intelligent and it's really creative of how you can get people on your side. And yeah, because Apple products, you buy them every year just because well, it's a new thing. Right. And I'm, I'm very anti-Apple, which makes it hilarious. But I understand, but I love their marketing because they, their phones cost 200 bucks more than the Google phone that I have. But people can't get, a, can't get enough of them. Apple has a complete closed system. They build the product from one end to they deliver to your hand. And there's no way you can just jump in with something random. No, it's all them, all the way, all perfectly done. And they know that. And they market them to that. The other part they market is to be different, be unique, be creative, have Apple. And they've always done that. And people in the creative field, because at one point you could only be a graphic designer on a Mac because that's all, that's all Macs were the ones that did that. Then IBM came in later. Like me, I'm an IBM guy. So it, it, it's, it's so different now. And how they, I mean, how they brilliantly did it, that kind of marketing is a skill that has to be learned. 
and most people don't think about marketing. They think like advertising marketing. Ah, it's, it's 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 a very subtle art to convince you on things that you didn't think were right. The closest thing I can think for marketing would be, um, and this sound, take this for what this is, but it's the best way I can think of it. A really smooth brother knows how to pick up women. Same mm-hmm. tactic. I'm going to convince you of a bunch of stuff. I'm going to say some stuff. I'm going to get you excited. And next thing you know, you're going to go off with me. And that's how good marketing is. Yeah, and you're right. I like how you mentioned the fact about it's subtle and smooth. And you didn't know you wanted it until you saw it. Right. And I think that's an actual art. I don't think you could just go in there and just say, hey, here's my thing. And here's a 20% discount. Right. Uh, and and people and people forget um if anyone ever gets a chance there's a great video online this is more about graphic design because people better understanding it's a it's a, it's it's god it's called designing a stop sign uh google it on youtube designing a stop sign and it's really just a very simple five minute six minute video of this guy designing a stop sign and he makes the first design tells him what he wants and then you get the input after people trying to add on to it and then you understand what goes, what it's like to be a graphic designer and marketers. People always want to add stuff. We always say less is more. Don't okay. add stuff, subtract stuff. What can you subtract from to make it even more awesome? What makes that more seems awesome? hard when you have to put in such small sentences. Yeah, the, as well. What's you know? Just Nike, do it. Nike, just do it. Nike, just do it. What does that mean? But everybody understands. <laughs> just do it. You know. And what's your symbol? So. A, a swoosh. They call it a swoosh. We don't even know what it is. Apple. It's an apple. Why is it an apple? I don't know. Apple. That's all you Apple. McDonald's, Golden Arches. You know, it's like they connect the imagery with what they're saying, what they're developing, and make it all one beautiful sentence. And, and it's funny to me because I don't see that happening in real estate. Because real estate, for some weird reason, does not attract creative people like designers that I thought was very weird. And you think that, you know, there's some, look, there's some old tricks that I do that I know will work. Okay, for example, me, de- me designing those forms that I put out. Those forms look yes. great. Everybody loves those forms. They're really great. They're really useful. Yes, I know that too. I also know that getting those interests in those forms, people are going to start looking and be like, who is this guy? What's he about? Da, 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 da. I can also make connections to find out, oh, you do some real estate. Well, I'm looking to do some more real estate. That's how y'all remember, subtle. Always subtle. And before you know, oh, Lewis is a great guy. He's done this cool stuff. People talk about you. This is true. I mean, case in point, how you, you and I are talking now. <laughs> right. It's uh, like you saw it and you're like, who is this guy? I got to know more about him. Congratulations. That's Marketing 101. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so what are the required needs between a small business and a, a large company that comes and you say, hey, we want you to market, advertise, build a web website? Uh, funny. It's, 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 it's really the same thing because they all, they all want the attention, but they don't always know how to get it. And the biggest problem is you've got to convince them of not doing what they think they're going to do. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk said it the best. The problem with companies is it's like when you go on a date. You go on a date with a girl, you're not going, you're not going home base on the first date. Yes. It's a long-term problem. You got to date them long-term. The problem is everybody thinks, oh, up the bat, I'm going to get, no, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen anywhere. Success does not come before work anywhere except in the dictionary. So they got to focus <laughs> like from there and do that. But they don't want to do the work. They want the success. So that's the problem. Take your time. Be honest with the people you're dealing with. Tell them the truth and keep repeating it. If I keep telling you every day, if I told you every day, well, I'll do, I use mine. 
I told you I'm going to buy Disney. Anyone I meet, I say the same. I'm going to be have a business bigger than Disney. I'm going to have a business bigger than Disney. I, every time I meet somebody, they know that's what I'm. That's my end goal. Do you want to bet people are going to keep watching me to see if I get that? Yeah, for sure. And and why now? But why are they watching me? I mean, I just said it. They don't have to believe me. I could be lying to them. But no, I know they're going to be watching me because they want to know. Hey, is he going to do it? Now, if I do it, holy cow, that's amazing. I was with him all the way back here when he said he was going to do it. If I don't do it and fail, oh, I still went for it, but he didn't make it. He still did a great job. So either way, I win. And that's the kind of marketing people want to do. The problem is they just want to win. They don't want to make the connection. Yes. And yeah, and it's a, it is a, it's a it has to be organic. It's got, and like you said, people love a story. And so they, they like to see that where, you know, they may think, even if they don't believe you, like, oh, Disney better than bigger than Disney. There's no way. It still piqued their interest. Right. Oh, let me see how far this guy gets. And so I, I like that. I like how you're kind of always thinking one step ahead and you are yeah. ambitious, but at the same time, you, you have the ability to hook people. In. Right. It's, 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 a, it's a great story to tell. You know, I was looking, that's one of my stories. My other story, you know, why I do real estate specifically is about my son. You know, I do real estate because I met the perfect woman for me. We dated, we got married. I had a great son. He was born and then six months later, she got cancer. And then two and a half years later, she was dead. I mean, it's very, very quick. Bam, 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 bam. That was bad enough. My son, while he was born, had some serious physical issues. My son uh, was born with glaucoma. So they had to take his retinas out of his eyes. His eyes caused so much pressure, he lost his sight in his right eye. And he's losing his sight in his left. So my son's been virtually blind since he's been three years old. So we've got to learn Braille. My son also suffers from having seizures. He has, um, he has a cerebral palsy on the left side of his body. It's kind of weak, but it's not like horrible, but it's still, he needs, you know, he walks with a blind man's cane. He's learning Braille. I mean, but that, with that being said, he's inquisitive. He asks every question in the world. Good Lord. <laughs> and he's out there friendly and he's nice. And I know I'm not always going to be there. So I've got to make sure that he's already got a lot of stuff. He's already had more stuff in his life at 10 years old than most people have. And he's handled it graciously smiling and always with a good attitude. So for me, I know I have to go out there, get these properties, acquire this wealth to give them options that I think he'll need in the future. Because like I said, I won't always be here, but I'd love to be able to leave my son with whatever he needs to do in his life that he can do and not worry about, oh, I, I need to go to work today because of this day. I need to go to work because of that day. You know, that's... Uh, like the old saying, I don't hustle. I don't hustle for my first name. I hustle for my last, and that's the kind of important thing for me. And I, I think, uh, I think God bless your son for you, uh, for him to have a father like you, uh, because it's it's not everybody is that fortunate. And uh, I do commend your strength uh, because it takes a lot of patience, a lot of time, a lot of energy, and uh, it looks like it sounds like you're doing it. And so, yeah, um, I mean, and I, you know, I tell people I got very lucky. My father, my father, still alive. My father is a great father. I couldn't have asked for having a better father. You know, my my mother and father were married sixty years. You know, my brother has been married. Oh my God, 20, 20, 21, 22 years. You know, I was hoping to have a long marriage. You know, but it didn't it didn't work out for me that way. 
I'm not mad about it, but at the same time, I understand how important family is and finding that right person. You find that right person with you, you know, male, female, whatever. You find the person who wants to be with you and is there for you the right reasons, don't give it up. A lot of people think, oh, I'll replace them with somebody. No, no, no. Yeah. The person you got is probably the person you got for the reason you got. If you got if you're there for the right reasons, you'll do well together. And it's no stress, no stress. I agree um, with that totally. Cause there's nothing, uh, there is no woman. Uh, I feel like when a man, he, he could be great and good by himself, but when you got a, a good woman by your side, uh, it's almost like boundless on what right. you can be able to do. And, um, and it's just even it's the, really even the, simplest, the simplest little things they'll say to you, you'll be like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it sounds crazy, but you're like, I didn't know. You know, and, and obviously what made my, my marriage even better, my wife was a marriage and family therapist. So oh, okay. yeah, so we talked about everything. Everything, you know, everything was out in the open. Um, this is not the bad, but when my wife was dying, my wife is like, Look, I love you, but you need to marry somebody else after I'm gone. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no, I can't. No, 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 no. Can't do that. She's like, oh no, you need to marry someone. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, look, I love you, but you're horrible alone. You are absolutely straight garbage alone. And I was like, <laughs> she's like, yeah. She's like, I don't want my son just being with you. Oh my God, no. You need to find a nice woman. You need to bring here, make sure everything works out well and make sure she loves you as much as I love you. And she loves my son the same way. And, you know, I told her that moment, you know, I couldn't have loved my wife anymore. I mean, I didn't, I still, I mean, I haven't remarried, and, you know, but I, I've always appreciated her saying that, you know, she could have been like, no, don't you find anybody else? No, 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 just me. No, but she knew what it was about and she knew what I would need. And I think that was a moment that I said, that moment as a husband, I was so thankful to have her. And like I said, I couldn't have asked for a better mother for my child. And, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have changed anything. No matter what's happened, I wouldn't change anything. It's been the best thing for me. And, and without that, I wouldn't be here. And so, you know, usually at the end of the podcast, I usually ask, you know, what's your rich state of mind, but you pretty much just summed it up. And so I appreciate you um, sharing that uh, because you didn't have to. Um, it definitely, it's definitely, uh, I can tell this is, this is definitely from the heart and you have that. I talk about it. I wrote a blog about talking about the why that makes you cry where, um, we have that, that one motivation that, you know, when we think about it, it tugs on, tugs on our heart. And I could tell that this is what tugs on your heart. This is what your motivation, your drive is on a day-to-day basis is. And it's never, uh, it's encouraging. Uh, it's not, because I don't think, I get it, like the situations like that um, can be sad and traumatic, but then I think you've pulled, take, taken a positive out of it and made it blossom into a nice flower. And so I do appreciate that because I think a lot of people right now, especially COVID, right? We're, we're all going through things that we probably have experienced some things that we never thought we would. And they probably feel like they're in a rut, but you can turn a negative into a positive and really come out on top, no matter what's going on. Yeah. Like our, our, I guess my son and I, our motto is hard work always pays off. Hard work pays off. Hard work pays off. And you just, you know, put your head down, just keep working at the work, do what's important and you can get through it. You know, I think I, I just I just want to make sure everybody understands that it's not always, sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down, but you're never in either place for very long. So be thankful. Just like the stock market. <laughs> you ain't kidding. <laughs> and that's why I buy real estate. 
<laughs> yeah, because it, it it is consistent. You can't take away the land, and you can't and you unless you got a hurricane or something catastrophic, even, you can't take that, away the house. You still got the land. You still got the you know, you still got the land. I can just build again. That's what insurance is for. Yeah, and, and you know it's funny because uh, was you know was maybe you thought about this with your first property it was like you know if just something just happens to it and I just get the insurance, <laughs> I'll just yeah, I just build it from scratch and I have no problems. Now it's a great property. You know, <laughs> you know it's just that first. Don't property. condone arson. I don't condone arson. Oh, yeah. don't con- we don't condone arson. But if God hits it by a bolt of lightning and burns down, hey, these things happen. <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything. <laughs> you know, it's just. But I got to. Bigger pockets is right. That first property doesn't matter. It's what you do after that property. That you know, that first property just gives you the inspiration. They're like, oh, I can do this. And yeah, I, you know, I, I, I got to admit, I, I loved how well that part was so true. I appreciate the fact that I'm not I'm not going to say because I'm not experienced enough to say every property is savable, but I do think most properties you could turn to a decent deal over time. I think you could turn trash into maybe bronze you know, <laughs> yeah, or silver, maybe bronze or silver, maybe not gold, bronze or silver. Where you could say I could swallow this. I, I could take yeah. I could take care. But also, I think if you if you buy like there's a, I'm a fan of a, a group called Charm City Investors out of Baltimore. And they're buying blocks now. Still, young husband and wife. Uh, I think they're not even thirty yet. They bought a block. They have like twenty properties, and they bought a. They put a nonprofit with it, so they can put stuff into their block, like nonprofit shops, and you know they can get for-profit stuff. They also can get grants to get real estate. And I thought that was kind of a smart little idea. And I and I think that's the next step that you know me, African American male. I think that I have to do things that are different than what my parents did and are radically crazy because I want to buy a block. I want to have, like I said, I want to have stores in there, but I want the stores to be small businesses for people of color that want to go be able to shop there. Like someone who's young kid, who's, you know, black, brown, don't care. Wants to start something out. Boom. Come over here. I got a space for you. I'll put you up. We'll see what you can do. We'll see how you can help you out because when you help people out like that, they don't forget. People don't forget. People know that guy helped me out when I was in a bad situation. He didn't even have to. He did. And people respect that. And I think people will remember that. I think that's that's important and just important to do to help people. There's nothing wrong with helping. No, I, I think actually that's what we should be doing as we're coming up is helping, sharing information. There's so many little things that a lot of people that I uh, associate with that don't know, and they're trying to do things similar to what I'm doing, like affiliate marketing. There's a lot of people that don't know about what affiliate marketing is. Every time you click on somebody's website and you click on an ad, you're giving them money. And we don't know that. That's not, I don't think that's very common, common knowledge yet, even though affiliate market has been out for decades now, a couple decades or so, maybe more. Yeah, probably. Well, since Amazon really got big, so, you know, at least, at least 10 solid good years. And um, yeah, so there's so many different ways now. Um, and I don't, I still believe that you're, I still believe that your craft is still needed. Like, I know you say like, go to Wix or WordPress, but. <laughs> I always tell people, look, there's, anybody can do, anybody can be creative. Being creative is a muscle. You just gotta, you just gotta, here's, here's the answer. You want to figure out, you want to know how to be creative with the actual definition of how to be creative is? Here it is. Here's my secret. And this is the same thing as everybody else together. Put two things together that you wouldn't think would work together. And if you can't think what that means, it's like this. Reese's peanut butter cups, chocolate, peanut butter. They don't sound like they belong together, but how fantastic they are together. I'll give you a geeky version. Um, I don't know if you follow Final Fantasy with video games. Oh, me? Oh, I wouldn't know anything about video games. 
<laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to say like, "Hey, Final Fantasy," and you may not know. But the, the glasses were not enough. The glasses the <laughs> were not enough. Okay. So Final Fantasy and Disney, right? Uh, Kingdom Hearts, right? Didn't know. Didn't know I wanted that, and then I loved it. Right, and, then, and that's what real creativity is: taking things you don't think would work together. A, a buddy of mine on the store down here, um, he did something that I, I, at the moment he said it, I said, "That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard." He has a large comic book store. It's like 10,000 square feet. And he put a gallery upstairs in his comic book store, an art gallery. And I'm like, what are you, some kind of idiot? Why would you put an art gallery? And just like, he goes, that's going to bring in a different, totally different type of clientele. People that would never come to the shop are going to come to that shop or something. I'm like, you're so stupid. You don't even know what you're talking about. Now, this guy had built a business from scratch to a multi-million dollar business. And I've known him 20 years. And I even today I'm so I'm like I can't believe I was that stupid and naive to say something that stupid, and of course it's made him a ton of money and it has brought in people that he never thought would be in. He has he, he has openings every month or every, every every month on just cool things you can't find around. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's that's how you do it, you know. Do you did just make together. it sound simple. You did just it, make it sound simple. It is. It's it's that simple because it, it's so simple it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because it's like, no, there's no way that'll work. But it's, you ever well, heard that? Uh, it's just so crazy. This might work. Well, you know, my favorite line, you know, if you want to meet a cute girl, you always assume, oh, she's got a boyfriend. No, those girls usually don't have boyfriends because everybody's saying she probably got a boyfriend. So go over and talk to her. Say hi. I was like, I got a cute girlfriend. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, it works with everybody. Everybody assumes somebody's doing something. No, it's simple, 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 simple. I like that. Yeah, so I, I like the fact that we, because I like to talk about, it's not just real estate, but I also like to talk about how people can find other ways to be able to either build their brand, build their business, and uh, different ways to just make passive income. Because you don't have to, like, you know, I blog, but obviously that's not my primary income in my right. military. Uh, so a lot of things, putting it together, because it's hard to see it, like, in a big picture, like, on a, on a spreadsheet or on a wall, we always just think about, okay, I got to build this website. Ah, <laughs> yeah. This is daunting. And then I got to, how do I advertise myself? Uh, uh, that's another little big thing. So <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of made it very simple. Hey, you know, use something like Wix or WordPress, you know, put a little time into it. Think about what, you know, massage it a bit. You don't well, have I mean, to build a relationship. If you want to do the easy way, go backwards. Start where you want to be and just walk backwards. It's an old writer's trick. What do you mean by um, that? Like, okay, um, a buddy of mine is a writer. would always tell you, the problem with writing is when people write, they usually write forward. Like, I'm going to go to this, this spot, this spot, this spot, and then the end of, end of the story. And people always ask, well, how do you know that you don't get trapped at the end of the story? That's why you start at the end and work your way backwards. It's much easier. If you know where you're going, you, it's easy to get there. If you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you're going to end up. If you want to do, if you want to make a lot of money, you start, okay, I want to make a lot of money. I'm on the on the web, on the web? okay, we'll do that on the web. All right, so I'm going to need affiliate links. All right, so I need affiliate links. Okay, what places should I get affiliate links? Well, Amazon would be a good place. All right, well, that's, I know that. Okay, well, then these links will be on my website, right? All right, you need to go to my website. Okay, great. It just work from the end backwards. It's much easier and much simpler. If you want to do affiliate links, if, all right, so suppose your brand is men's hair products. Okay. You want to do advertising, but you're like, ah, I don't know. I want to do a blog. Ah, how big do you want it to be? Do you want to be a big service where people can come in? Well, fine. If you want to make it a big service. I'll make this big hair club service and all we're going to do is talk about men's hair care product. Well, then take one step back. 
all right, with well, the one step back and be, well, how are you going to make these products? How do these products get made? Who makes these products? Who's involved with them? Okay, take another step back. Who's the people who are using these products? What do they do? What do they look like? What are they looking for in their products? And then you take one more step back to yourself. Why do you want to use these products? And then you just go back forward. Oh, people want to use them because they're looking for this. We want to use all natural stuff because we thought over here that this is the kind of stuff, and here's the company that makes it. Just work it backwards. Always work backwards. It's much easier. And then now you put an affiliate uh, marketing that is geared towards men's hair products or hair, right. you know, haircut products on your page. So you, you are, your conversion rate is a whole lot better because you are marketing to things that coincide with what right. you are talking about. But you're also being laser focused too, because the end product, you know what the end is going to be. So you got the big old funnel at the end, you're going to get all this stuff, but it keeps getting narrow as you get closer to the end of it. So at the end, you're looking for men's products, hair products for this type of person, and like you. Except, I mean, look, it's all tricks. It's all tricks. It's like magic tricks. <laughs> that's all we do. That's all we, that's all marketing is, you know? And if you're ever confused and you're not sure something looks good, put a baby in it. Babies sell. <laughs> Babies always sell. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking, I, but I'm serious. Babies so, always sell. So baby in a diaper is my, is my banner ad. I've, t- I've, I've told my boss that my boss is like, you know what, you know, when I'm trying to manipulate you, I'm gonna put a baby in there. And she knows when she's a baby, she's like, what are you trying to manip- like, yep, trying to manipulate you? Children are great at manipulating people. Doesn't matter if you love them or hate them. There's always some kind of response. Put a baby in it. If you're ever <laughs> a baby in. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm, I'm stuck. I have a, on my website, I have a couple of pages where I'm like, okay, what am I going to put here? And so <laughs> a baby, let's put a picture of a baby. People like people first will be like, "What's that baby doing there?" Don't worry about that. Just read what I'm doing. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, okay." Baby, click on this for that. Babies. I don't know why it just works. Oh, well, you know, um, always if you're going to use any colors in your logo, black, red, black and red. Okay. Most common colors. You know whose colors are black and red that everybody knows by heart? No. Coca-Cola. <laughs> that's why you'll notice anything that's huge and big in marketing coca-cola is going to be attached to it they got they got their marketing down pat we're only stealing stuff from them because they're those guys are brilliant what's so unique about them as to why they have it so down pat for so many years because they figured out a long time ago what the story what they're, they're telling a story we're not selling soda we're telling you a story okay that's what they focus on think about it do they ever tell you it tastes great Nah, it's sweet. Or... Mm, always, always what they're doing, emotions, how you feel, how you felt when you were drinking this. When you're a kid in the summer and it's hot and you remember, oh my God, it is so hot. If I can get a soda, oh my God. Oh, that t-. that's what they're, they're presenting the emotion. It has nothing to do with the product. It's all about the emotion, the connection you make. You can figure out how to do that in marketing. You can sell anything. Yeah, because the argument is that Pepsi tastes better than Coke, but Coke is still strong. Right. Once again, are you, are you, is it about taste or is it about feeling? Taste is subjective. I like this. You like that. Your feelings aren't. You feel this way because you feel this way. No one can tell you your feelings are wrong. I like that. <laughs> you know, okay. that's, you know, it's a, they're, they're, they're pros. It. They're, they are the best at it. Um, if you want to see, it's, it's, even though it's TV, it's still amazing. Um, the first season of Mad Men, the last episode, 
um, the main characters doing a pitch to Kodak on the carousel. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Yep. It is, even from a purely marketing standpoint, it is amazing. I mean, he, he sets it up in such a beautiful way. And the moment that, that always catches me, he goes, it's a time machine. It goes back and goes back and forward in time. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. It's like, oh, <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, they, they, they those guys, they walked out of the room like, wow, okay. Right. Yeah. And that's 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 when marketing is amazing. That's when you when you transcended marketing, it's something else. That's what Coke does all the time. And the, honestly, that ad on that show really shows you what marketing. I mean, don't get me wrong. All this other crazy stuff, yeah, that happens too. But the, when they're in there pitching stuff, that's what it's like. That's what when you pitch stuff, pitching stuff is tough. You know, it's tough, and you've got to connect. And they, that scene beautiful. That scene is, is is what is what everyone who's in marketing lives for. You want people to you want people to look at when you're done. Look at the other person going like, "Oh my god, I get it." And you're like, "Boom, gotcha." That's that's real marketing. That creativity, and that's hard. It's not. It's not easy because you've got to get through the other stuff. But when you do it and it's pure and amazing, yeah, it's it's hard to be. It's hard to be. There's there, you know there's there are some things in marketing. Where's the beef? Ah, okay. How old is that ad? Thirty-five years. Thirty-five, yeah. forty years. I didn't even tell you what ad it was. I said, "Where's the beef?" You know exactly what I was talking about. That's how. Yeah, big and, and it's funny thing is. Even if I, even if I don't, it's like I've heard that before, and then when I see it, ah, that's where I got it from. Oh, let me do, let me check them out. I'll do one that's probably you're probably too young for, but I know like the back of my hand. Conjunction Junction. I've heard that before, but I don't know where it's from. Right, if you're of my age, you know the the other part. Conjunction Junction. What's that function? ABC used to have a cartoon every Saturday when when, when cartoons just come on Saturdays. They play it. They play these uh, these um. After the after school, these school specials on stuff. So they would teach you things about politics. And every kid of my generation knows the junction, junction. What's your function? Hooking up words, phrases, and clauses. I don't remember 90% of what I learned in English, but I remember that because I heard it every Saturday over and over. And I, I know it. They, and, it's, and it's a good feeling. Bring me back to my childhood. You know, I'm Mr. <laughs> Bill. Same thing. I'm Mr. Bill sitting there. These are things that were well done marketing that they real great education. They confuse and they put marketing on top of it to make it awesome. If you do the, if you do it right, it's amazing. Wow. So, I, oh man, I think you, you said a well worth of knowledge. And I definitely think we need to do a, a part two of this, especially on maybe on the marketing side. And maybe, maybe uh, my father would love you, by the way, because uh, we love <laughs> comics. We oh, love see. comics. Ah. Uh, he, my, my sister actually does graphic design and uh, we all have drawn and written. So we, we love that side of the house. Uh, so definitely we'd love to talk to you about that. And then also about the forms as well. Uh, we'll I would like to ex, you know expand more on that later on. Uh, but just anything, any closing piece, what, what type of closing tips or, or piece you would have, I guess, to sum everything up for somebody trying to build their business? Uh, first thing, uh, make sure your family, especially your spouse is on board. Okay. Uh, they can be your best cheerleader or the person who causes you the most happy. Make sure they're on board. And even if they're not on board, get them on board. That's important. Number two, it may take 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Or you may never do it. It just may be something you do to make yourself happy. 
don't focus on making money, focus on enjoying the process. Because when you enjoy the process, you'll make money just by accident. You know, don't focus on the money. Focus on focus on solving a problem. What's the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah, that's the number one thing I hear. You solve a problem, you have provided a service, and you the people will come. Yeah. Because they because you, everybody has the same problem. Everybody's got the same problems. Shakespeare is right. There's only 38 stories to be told. So trust me, you can mix them up any way you want. You can twist them out of, but there's still only 38 stories to be told. So just figure out a way to tell your story to help help somebody else's problem. You'll be good. Well, wow. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time explaining all of this. I think this is definitely a great, great episode that people are probably gonna be playing back on because, um, and you made it sound simple. It's not daunting, right? And no. uh, I think to a lot of people, it's like Chinese or it's the greatest <laughs> secret. So Thank you for the, uh, simplifying it and breaking it down. I really oh, appreciate no. you doing that. I, you know, people do it for me all the time. I say, talk to me like I'm a third grader. I don't, I don't feel embarrassed. That's, you know, that makes it easy. Well, if you can't explain it to a third grader, then you don't know it well enough. So, you know, make it simple. Okay. Gotcha.